0: Thanks so much for listening to the weekly teaching podcast from Prodigal Church. We're so glad you're connecting with us online. If you've been listening for a while or you consider Prodigal as your home church, would you consider giving monthly to support this ministry? We're so grateful for the increasing impact our church is having on our online listeners. Thanks for being a part of us. You can discover all things Prodigal on the Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store or on our website, prodigalchurchfresno.com. Now, Let's dive right into this week's teaching. Well, happy Mother's Day and special shout out to the three best moms I know. Uh, My mother-in-law, Billy, she literally is the best mother-in-law in in the world. Uh, To my own mom, I I could thank her every single day for the rest of my life and it still wouldn't be enough. And then to the best mom I know, my wife, Sarah, she really is the best mom in the world. Um, To our kids, Dex and Ivy, I love you so much. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, When I was a kid, uh, my parents, uh, when we moved to California, we got a house and had a pool in the back. And we lived there during the summers. And my mom, you know, she was born and raised in the Midwest, okay? We were from Illinois. And so like, My mom wasn't super comfortable in the water, really, ever. I mean, of course she can swim, at least I thought so, but once a year, my mom would go off the diving board. Okay, Diving boards were something we used to have back in the 80s and 90s. I don't think they're around much anymore, except at the high school and college levels, but we had a diving board, and we had a a ball, and my mom, every summer, once a summer, she would jump off the diving board, and um, I'm ashamed to say that she would, Hold her nose every single time. How many nose holders when you jump in the water? Are you out there? Okay, yeah, I would have made fun of you back in the day, but I've grown, I've matured as a person. Since then, my mom would jump in and we would all be out there and we would cheer and then she would swim to the edge and that was it until the following year. Uh, Back in 2009, uh, I was a youth pastor at a church and I had the honor and privilege of baptizing my mom. And I told the story of when uh, she would once, a, once every summer jump in the pool, take that leap of faith, and then to put my mom in the waters of baptism and raise to new life in Christ was this special moment that I'll never forget and I'll cherish for the rest of my life. This spirituality and family, it's a unique thing because our families, the people that God has placed in our lives uh, in closest proximity, they know that we're trying to follow Jesus, but they also know all of the bad choices we've ever made all the bad choices we make, all the bad choices we continually make, all the, the false steps and slip ups and failures and struggles we have along the way. And so they know we're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to be a good Christian. And they also know that we certainly fall short of that so often. My parents knew that about me growing up. I'm, I'm trying to go to church a few times a week. But I'm also fighting with my sister and fighting with my brother and fighting with them. And uh, and even now, like in my own home, I'm this pastor and this uh, uh, follower of Jesus. And Sarah knows the times when I don't really, my life doesn't really line up with the, the following, the teachings of Jesus. Um, my, my kids sometimes see me uh, lash out and not respond in the most Christ-like ways. This is a unique thing, spirituality and family. And... From a distance, it appears that other people may have it together. You guys may even think that we, as uh, Christians, as my family, we have it all together. And I assure you, that is not true. Especially if we if we look at social media, we look at the other families and we think, man, they have it together. They took their Sunday photo um, when they pulled up to church, and they look perfect. Except for the fact that they were fighting and pulling each other's hair and yelling at each other to get out of the house and then get into the car. And then someone at church took their parking spot. And so they had some choice words for them as well. And so there's this dynamic of family knowing us and us still trying to follow Jesus. When we look at other families in a church or we look at other families on social media, uh, we're stressed and worried about our own family issues because we think subconsciously that almost every family has just got it all together. But guess what, they're not, and there is no such thing as a perfect family. It doesn't take very long as you look through the scriptures to see that the families in the Bible are pretty messed up as well. Uh, And they're probably more messy than yours. And the first book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, we have Adam and Eve, right? They're living in perfect peace and harmony in this garden with God. And then they let this little snake in, and all of a sudden now they're blaming each other. Now they're blaming God, and it's a mess. And then they have children a couple of kids, Cain and Abel. Talk about sibling rivalry, okay? Anyone know how long um, Cain hated his brother? As long as he was able. Okay, that's a, it's a Bible joke, okay? In fact, Cain killed his brother, and he was separated from his family. And then in chapter 6, we meet Noah, and we did a sermon series back um, in January on Noah, and he was messed up, right? Noah gets drunk, passes out naked. Uh, one of his sons tells his brother, psh, dad's passed out naked in the tent. And then they, Noah wakes up and then curses the brother, right? In, in chapter 12, we meet Abraham. Abraham pimped out his wife twice, okay? And then there was a whole bunch of family drama with Lot, okay? There was a lot of family problems with Lot. Um, they had, he had two grandkids, Jacob and Esau. They were twins and they fought coming out of the womb. They competed in everything. And Jacob's mom worked in cahoots to steal the older brother's birthright. Then they became enemies. And then there's Joseph's family. Boy. Joseph's brothers were just a bunch of crazies, right? Not only did they make an entire tribe get circumcised, but while that tribe was healing from their circumcision, they came in and slaughtered all of the men. Also, they threw Joseph into a well and left him for dead. This is all in the first book of the Bible. So you think your family is screwed up? Just to let you know, the people of God have experienced that as well. Back in the scriptures... And here now, we're all messed up. We're all a bunch of sinners trying to become saints. We're all a bunch of sinners trying to follow Jesus and become more like him every single day. So let's show each other some grace. Let's show our families some grace. And let's learn some of the things that maybe we've learned from our moms and our own families this Mother's Day. Uh, The church, this church, it's full of messy families. Uh, Your pastor included. Uh, you've heard it before. You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. But here's the good news. God puts you in your family on purpose for a purpose. Now, I know you, sometimes you may not feel that that's true, but it is reality. God puts you in your family on purpose for a purpose. And when family is done right, nothing will bring you greater joy. And on the flip side, when family is done wrong, nothing brings you greater pain. And for many of us, we bear those scars, right? Uh, the book of Joshua, uh, Joshua this casting this vision for when they enter into the promised land. And he says this in 2415, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Uh, they enter into the promised land and they're making this, this covenant that God, you have blessed us with this, this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And, and, and we're going to serve you. And Joshua says, maybe you guys are gonna serve those gods. Maybe some of you guys are gonna serve those gods. But as for me and my household, we are resolved in serving the Lord. And we all want that. We all have good intentions. But then, then your kid doesn't listen to you and you told them 10 times, um, and then you argue, and then you argue with your spouse about what kind of discipline they, they should have, and we're wondering if we're doing anything right. There's a gap between where you are and where you want to be. And it's the difference between what is ideal and what is real. This is us, this should be us, right? And over time, if we refuse to address that gap, The gap of where we are and where we're called to be. If we refuse to address that gap, we're gonna fall into complacency. And complacency is like water on a mountain. It will always take the easiest course downward. It takes intentional effort. Don't settle for reality. We need to strive for better. Your best days are not behind you. They are in front of you because God walks with you. Don't settle. And so today, I believe God wants to give us some things that will address this gap, the gap of where we are and where we want to be. And some of this will be more applicable to parents, but those of you who are not parents, one day you you might be. And for those of you who don't have children, I believe that the principles that apply here for parenting certainly apply to all families. We all have friends that we consider family. And so I'm assuming that we want them to thrive in their relationships with Jesus as well. And so no matter where you are in your family life, in your friend life, uh, I believe God has something for you today. So first things first, we have to live it. You want the kind of family that loves God and loves others? You have to live it, right? Michael Jackson said this, right? If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. So if you want your home to be a better place, take a look at yourself and make the change. Show more. The best way for our families to learn to love Jesus is to see Jesus in your life. Bar none, nothing compares to it. Uh, there's not enough Bible studies in the world. There's not much Sunday school you can go to. There's not enough stories that you can read in the scriptures. The best thing that that you can do to influence your families to follow Jesus and to love Jesus is to love him yourself with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. How are you doing with that? It's a question I ask myself all the time. I want my kids to see Jesus in me in the way that I love them, in the way that I love their mom, in the way that I love everybody around us. I want want my kids to see Christ in me. Sarah and I, we, we often talk about how our desire for our children is to not have a judgmental bone in their body, right? That that they love everyone always. That's something we pray with them about every single night. God, help us to love everybody always. But just because someone looks different, someone acts different, someone believes different, that doesn't change the way we're supposed to relate with them. We're supposed to love them. And if we want our kids to be that way, then Sarah and I better be that way. I really believe this, following Jesus is much better caught than taught. It's caught by the way that my kids watch me and by how I live. They're catching how daddy lives, how daddy responds, how daddy reacts to a certain situation. It's caught. Now, I could sit them down and teach him what Jesus would maybe want to do in these situations and that's great. But they're much more likely to catch it than to be taught it. Following Jesus is caught, not just taught. And we've all got our blind spots in families and in parenting, right? And sometimes we try and compensate, right? We've got this fault, we've got this little area, this little shortcoming in our family life, in our, in our parenting life. And so we try and compensate, for it. We know it's there, so we overcompensate in other areas, right? Sometimes it plays out like this, right? Mom and dad don't have time for little Jimmy. Little Jimmy gets you know in trouble at school, and so then mom and dad now become very involved. Now there's an attorney that comes with them to the school. Or another place we compensate is with discipline, right? We either over-discipline or we underdiscipline. Well, I'm not that involved, so when they misbehave, I over-discipline them. Or we feel bad that we're not that involved in our lives, and so we underdiscipline them. We try and be good cop all the time. And this throws our parent- parental discipline all out of whack. It's not how it's supposed to be. One of the ways we do this is by putting our kids on restriction or grounding, okay? How many of you guys were grounded back in the day, okay? Parents, I wanna let you guys know this. It doesn't work, okay? Grounding doesn't work, right? It doesn't bring lasting change. It didn't work for you, did it? When your parents you, none of you look back and say, I'll tell you what, well, it all changed for me. It's when my parents took away my phone for that week. Then, man, I got my life on the right track. That was the turning point of my life. I was headed in one way, and then they took away the phone, and then I was heading in a completely different direction. No, we often overreact because we're under-involved, and this shouldn't be. We gotta be involved. Now, some of you might be thinking, Pastor John, stick to the Bible, okay? Don't tell me how to parents my kids. Here's how we often think just because we can make a baby doesn't mean we can manage a child. Or we think, well, I was a child once, so I know how to parent a child. That line of thinking, it's not too smart, right? I had surgery once, so I should be able to perform surgery. No, it takes rigorous training and and learning and growing, and just because you have kids doesn't mean you have it together, so so you ask and you read, and you study, and you try things, and you see what works that produces the most amount of fruit and growth and love within your children. There are some principles in the scriptures that help us lead our families to follow Jesus and become the kind of people who make that, the, the difference in the world. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, "'Trust in the Lord with all your heart, "'and lean not on, on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. I believe that is a beautiful parenting principle. We trust in the Lord with our kids. We let him lead the way. He'll make our path straight. I I really believe that. I believe that we have a partner in the parenting process. And it's all about relationship. At first, as our kids are young, it's, it's size and position equals control, right? like I'm much larger than my kids, I've got the power, I've got control. You can make them do things, you can lock doors, you can put them in the backseat, you can force them to eat something because you have size and position, you have control. But eventually you won't, right? Like they'll be bigger than you. My mom hasn't been able to strap me in the backseat of a car in probably 35 years. I would have a much easier time putting her in the backseat of a car. Eventually you have to change from size and position parenting To relationship and influence parenting. For some of you, this is hitting home, because you've been trying to parent your teenagers with size and power, and perhaps God might be stirring something in regards to relationship and influence. Sometimes when our kids are bigger, we don't make the transition, and we still try to control them. And sometimes it has the opposite effect. It begins to erode the very things you need in their lives. Influence And relationship. I read about a dad who was trying to get his son to go to sleep, but the son just kept yelling. Dad, can I have a glass of water, please? Dad says, no, go to sleep. Dad, I'm thirsty. Can I have a glass of water, please? No, go to bed. Dad, I'm thirsty. Can I please have a glass of water? No, and if you ask me one more time, I'm gonna spank you. Silence. Dad, When you come in to spank me, would you bring me a glass of water, please? (laughs) Right? Discipline is biblical. Proverbs 12 says this, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 13, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Proverbs 29, discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire, amen, amen. The Bible never says, give them everything they want or have ever dreamed of, and then they will bring you delights. No, 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 discipline your children, and then they will give you peace and bring you the delights you desire. So we should be disciplining our kids. But here's the takeaway. We're looking for progress, not perfection. The problem is as our kids get older, we seem to see them as a reflection of ourselves. So when they fail, uh, when they make a bad choice, we take it personally because it makes us look bad. And when we get our self-worth wrapped up in our kids, we become an ineffective parent because we're not leading them, we're controlling them. Uh, We want them to look good so that we look good. That's not the heart of parenting. I remember when my daughter started to walk. There's something beautiful about when kids s- start to learn to walk, right? Uh, they take a couple steps and then they fall down. And then what, what do we say as parents? Yay, great job, you're doing it. You're a walker, you're so, you're a big girl, great job. And then we cheer her on, right? She gets back up and she takes a couple of steps You know, and then she falls again. We're like, yay, you're so good. When she falls down after taking a couple of steps, we as parents, we don't see it as failure, do we? No, no, we see it as progress. Why then when our kids turn eight, nine, 10, 11, they take a few steps and then they fall down, a few steps and they fall down. Why do we see that as failure? right? We should always be looking for progress, not perfection. We need to see it as progress and give our kids the freedom to fail and not make them think that they lost our love in the midst of failure. So we become a home of love. We become a place of grace. That is my prayer for us today and beyond, for our families, for our relationships, for our moms, that we develop a place of grace when your kids are having their own kids, they won't look back on all the times that you yelled at them when they messed up. They'll instead remember that you cultivated a place of grace in their homes, and that love is transformative. Deuteronomy 6, four through seven says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up in the jewish faith this prayer is called the shema and it is memorized by all jewish people and it was memorized by countless ancient hebrews way back in the day we can see god's heart for our families throughout the whole bible both old testament and new testament we see it in jesus there's this beautiful aspect in the life of jesus when it comes to his interactions with children and his interactions with parents. Um, Write this down. This is the last point that we're going to be focusing in on today. Prayer is the parenting principle endorsed by Jesus. Prayer is the parenting principle endorsed by Jesus. Jesus says very little about parenting. Uh, you want to know if your kid should be breastfed or formula? The Bible doesn't talk about it. You want to know if your kid should go to public school, private school, or homeschool? The Bible doesn't mention it. Should you spank your kids or use time out? No, none of these questions are addressed by Jesus. But what we do have in the Bible are three stories of parents bringing their children to Jesus in prayer. It's as if Jesus is highlighting this one priority over all the others. Pray, 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 bring your kids to Jesus. There are three instances mentioned in the Gospels of parents approaching Jesus about their child. One is a mother who storms out of the Canaanite hills crying, mercy, master, son of David, my daughter is tormented by an evil spirit. Then there was a father of a seizure-tormented boy who sought help from the disciples and then from Jesus and he cried out in tears and he said, Lord, I believe Help me with my unbelief. This doubting dad brings his boy, his tormented boy, this sick boy to Jesus. And then there's Jairus, whose 12 year old daughter is dying and he finds Jesus, falls at his feet and begs him to heal his baby girl. Because even though she's 12 years old, she's still his baby girl. She'll always be his baby girl. And in each of these instances, these desperate parents are in a way holding the hand of their sick child and also extending the other hand toward Jesus. They are at the end of their rope. And note this, in every single desperate plea, without exception, Jesus responds to their prayers. In every one, No exceptions. Not one time did Jesus say, sorry, mom and dad, I don't have time to hear prayers about your child. In the story of Jairus, Jesus gets off the boat from the Sea of Galilee and there's this huge crowd to meet him there. And I'm sure there were countless people who had countless needs and they ask all of us, Jesus, for help. And amidst of these shouts and cries, Jesus, he intensely, intently, purposefully hears the cries of Jairus, whose 12-year-old girl is in a bed dying. He heard the prayers of a parent for their child and he still hears the prayers of parents for their children. Those of you moms and dads, those of you grandparents, you are praying for your grandkids, you are praying for your kids and Jesus is still hearing those prayers. If you are a parent, I know that no one has prayed for your child or your children more than you have. Note to all you panicking parents, Jesus will not turn away when you ask for help for your kids. Those of you who are going through a difficult season with your kids, maybe they're in their teens, maybe they're in their 20s. I don't know what the situation is, but Jesus does. And the, the parenting principle he endorses more than anything else is bring your kids to me. Lay them before me. I will answer your prayers. And so for your, those of you who are kids who... Who maybe you feel like they're prodigal. Maybe that's, the day, that's what drew you to prodigal churches because you yourself have a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter that has kind of went and made some bad choices on their own. And you're praying that the father would run and have open arms and welcome them back into the fold, into the party and create this beautiful feast for them. Yeah. The parable of the prodigal son should really, shouldn't be called that. It should be called the parable of the loving father and that's who God wants us to be. Bring Christ your child. Maybe it doesn't look like he's answering your prayers right now, but he is. He's got a great track record. The gospels don't just tell us what Jesus did, they tell us what Jesus does. Jesus hears the cries and the prayers and acts on behalf of these parents who bring their children to Jesus. I pray for my kids a lot, but no one prays for my kids more than Sarah does. When I get to heaven, I truly believe that I will find the reason for the joy of the love in my life because of my children It's because of the prayers of their mom. They move mountains. She will never stop praying for them. There is something supernatural about the prayers of a mom praying for their children. No one prays for me, probably more than my mom. I'm 40. Bring your kids to Jesus. Before the kids were yours, they were his. That blows my mind. Jesus loves my kids more than I do. Jesus loves your kids more than you do. Bring your kids to Jesus. His arms are open wide. God, I pray that so we give our kids to you you would answer our prayers. The parents who have cried themselves to sleep at night, praying for their children, God, would you answer their prayers? We love you, God. May we live it. No matter what kind of family situation we're in now, whether we're parents or we're children or we're brothers and sisters or we're single, God, help us to be the people who live out our faith and, and that show that the, the true faith in Christ, following Jesus, is caught, not taught. Help us to live it out, God, in Jesus' name, amen. We wanna close our time together with this amazingly beautiful song that Pastor Eric uh, has showed us as a team. And uh, yeah, if you have any kind of heart for kids, something breaks within you within this song. And the song's called Talking to Jesus. And so to end our Mother's Day service together, we wanna to encourage you to prayerfully reflect on the words and true meaning of this song, even as Pastor Eric has curtailed it to fit his own life, his own life as a father, as a dad, as someone who loves his kids, has five kids and loves them and models what it means to follow Jesus by talking to Jesus. Check this out. Hey church, growing up and even
1: still, my mom tells stories about how her dad my grandpa would go on walks with the Lord, how he would spend time walking, praying, and talking to Jesus. And if you ask me what I remember most about my mom is that every morning she'd be the first awake spending time reading her Bible, praying, and talking to Jesus. So whether you've been blessed enough to be part of a family with generations of people who've walked with and known Jesus, or you're tasked with beginning that for your family yourself, The song I'm about to sing is just a huge thank you to all the grandmas, all the moms, all the foster moms, all the adoptive moms, however it is that you became to be a mother for someone else. This song is a huge thank you for showing us just what it looks like to know, to walk with, and to talk to Jesus. Grandma used to pray out loud by her bed every night. To me, it sounded like mumbling Like she was out of her mind She said, boy, this kind of praying Is what saved my life You ought to try it sometime Now I know she was right She was talking to Jesus She was talking to Jesus And she'd been talking to Jesus for all of her life. Mama used to drag me to church Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Khaki pants and a polo shirt. And boy, I put up a fight. She said, son, one day you'll thank me or having God in your life. Now I know she was right. Yeah, my mama was right. Cause now I'm talking to Jesus. She got me talking to Jesus. She got me talking to Jesus. Yeah, my mama was right. And now I'm talking to Jesus and i love talking to jesus and i'll be talking to jesus for the rest of my life what a friend we have in jesus what a friend we have in jesus what a friend we have in jesus Whoa! what a friend we have in jesus what a friend we have in jesus what a friend we have in jesus Whoa-oh-oh-oh. we've got five of our own now we're trying to raise them up our oldest is ten we've no idea what his first six years were like. He's trying to heal from that trauma and trying to figure out his questions in life. We've been looking for a way to show him how to make things all right. Then he walked in the room while we were saying our prayers the other night. He said, I'll come back later When it looks like you've got some spare time Mom said, you're not an interruption You couldn't have picked a better time Cause we were just talking to Jesus Come over and give it a try
2: We started talking to Jesus started talking to jesus we started talking to jesus Whoa.
1: There's no wrong way to do it There's no bad time to start It don't have to sound pretty Just tell him what's on your heart Cause it's not a religion This is more like a friendship So just talk to your father like you are His kid. Just start talking to Jesus. Just start talking to Jesus. You can talk to Jesus whenever you'd like. Now keep talking to Jesus. Just keep talking to Jesus just keep talking to jesus for the rest of
2: your life what a friend we have
1: Friend we have in Jesus. What a friend! What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have.
0: thank you so much for joining us online this Mother's Day at Prodigal Church Fresno. For up-to-date info on all things Prodigal, download our Prodigal app or follow us on social media at Prodigal Church Fresno. Next week, we begin a brand new sermon series called Into the Wilderness. It's Exodus Part 2 and we can't wait. Peace in the Middle East. Love you, Mom.